Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. St. Paul writes, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died so will we, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. Let me give you a very warm welcome and congratulations uh, for getting here to thank God for Stella's long and wonderful life of Christian service. Let me also just say, because I know that this service (coughs) is being recorded and will be listened to by many people who have not been able to make it uh, here today, that we are... Uh, surrounded by about one foot six of snow here in Oxford, Uh, but we have about 80 or 90 people in church, and we're going to praise God for this wonderful Christian lady, and we hope as you listen to this service that you also will be able to thank God for Stella and remember all that she meant to you as we will be doing here. She was loved greatly by all of us here at St. Andrews and many others who have gathered together from many places, not least... uh, Bishop Peter Dawes, who's come all the way from Ely and will be uh, preaching for us later in the service. Thank you, Peter, so much for coming. He's been on at least four train journeys already, I think, so it's been a great uh, great effort getting here. And um, uh, I will introduce uh, different people as they speak, so if you are listening to the recording, you'll know where we've got to in the service. Uh, Stella, uh, one of the first things that happened to me when I became vicar of St. Andrews in 2002 Uh, when Stella was a mere 90, of course, was that she instructed me carefully about her funeral service, uh, lest it should occur during my incumbency here at St. Andrews. So this service has been uh, mostly designed by her, her, and I'm most grateful to Chris uh, for all that he's done to uh, organize this and make today possible. Thank you, Chris. Just a couple of notices for those who are here. Um, In your service uh, booklet, card, you'll find a card Uh, and Chris uh, would love it if you would just write your name and put that in the basket on the way out to record who's been here today. And it was also Stella's wish that if you would like to make a donation towards the gospel work here at St. Andrews, there will be a retiring collection to do that. And we hope very much that you'll join us for a cup of tea. You'll certainly be ready for one after traveling here today. But she chose as her first hymn, Crown Him With Many Crowns. And as we sing this great uh, hymn of praise, we know indeed that she now has won a crown that will never, ever fade. Crown him with many crowns.
Please be seated and we'll just have a moment of prayer before Elizabeth comes to speak. We meet in the name of Jesus Christ who died and was raised to the glory of God the Father. Grace and mercy be with you. We have come here today to remember before God our sister Stella, to give thanks for her life, to commend her to God our merciful Redeemer and Judge, and to comfort one another in our grief. And so we pray, God of all consolation, your Son Jesus Christ was moved to tears at the grave of Lazarus his friend. Look with compassion on your children in their loss. Give to troubled hearts the light of hope and strengthen in all of us the gift of faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Just in a moment of quietness as we come uh, to remember this uh, great saint and to thank God for her, Let's just in quietness recognize our own need of God's forgiveness and that we stand before a holy and just God who will deal with us fairly. But week by week, day by day, we need to recognize that He is a holy God and we are a sinful people. Let's just recognize our human fallibility as we come before Him this afternoon. God of mercy, we acknowledge that we are all sinners. We turn from the wrong that we have thought and said and done and are mindful of all that we have failed to do. For the sake of Jesus who died for us, forgive us for all that is past and help us to live each day in the light of Christ our Lord. Amen. Elizabeth Hay is going to come and speak uh, of Stella. Some years ago, Auntie Stella, as I have known her all my life, even though she was no relation, was thinking about her funeral. She was persuaded against her will to have a tribute included in the service. I asked if I could have a few autobiographical lines to help me. A few days later, she gave me a few lines with a note saying, I enclose the rubbish. The note started off, day school, no prizes, good at nothing except perhaps tennis. Age 15, committed my life to Jesus Christ. This summarizes her lifelong attitude, that she was no one special, but that God was. Back home after nine months at school in Switzerland, a lot of her French language stayed with her for the rest of her life. She did a variety of voluntary work. Many people do not know about Stella's love of animals. Soon after leaving school, she was involved in breeding Airedales, her favorite breed of dog. When I went with her to Crofts in 2003, I was amazed how in each preliminary heat we watched except one, she unhesitatingly picked out the eventual winner. One of her chosen activities on a holiday in the West Country we had together was a visit to an animal sanctuary. 
It was her experience of VAD work in Farnborough and Margate hospitals during the war that encouraged her to apply for nursing training. She was accepted at the Royal East Sussex Hospital in Hastings. It was still wartime and she remembered there was never a dull moment. More than once she had to move homes when the previous place was bombed. She followed general training with midwifery training. Soon after qualifying, because her mother was elderly and her sister had been diagnosed with leukaemia, she moved home to Bromley and was a district nurse on a London County Council estate. When Stella was 37, she married Basil Goff, the rector of Hatherley in Devon. She liked to joke that she first met her husband at his wedding. In fact, Stella had been bridesmaid when Basil married Stella's very close friend and my godmother, who died a few years later, leaving a two-year-old son, Chris. The following year for Stella was an annus horribilis. Her sister died in March, aged 40, her mother in May, and she had a stillborn son in September. But the following year, 1952, saw the start of 12 of the happiest years of her life. Basil became rector of St. Ebbs here in Oxford. His was the appointment, but in every sense the church got two for the price of one. Basil and Stella were a real partnership throughout their marriage. I'm sure that there are some of you here today who first met Stella when they hosted one of their regular St. Ebbs OQTs. The seven curates at St. Ebbs during those years developed special relationships with Basil and Stella. Only last September, they all had a reunion here with Stella in appreciation of her. How glad they are now that they did not delay that reunion. To the end of her life, one of those curates still called Stella, even on envelopes, the Mother Superior of St. Ebbs. <laughs> Stella had a favorite story of when she went to an evangelical theological college for a conference. She overheard two women delegates saying how primitive the conditions were. One said, it will do the students good. All evangelical clergy are spoilt by their wives. She and Basil used to laugh about that together, typical of many of the family jokes they shared. In 1964, Basil was appointed principal of Clifton Theological College in Bristol. During their five years in Bristol, Stella was invited by the South American Mission Society to join their candidates committee. She was the only woman member. She enjoyed this responsibility enormously and typically kept in touch with many of the missionaries for the rest of her life. She was a very astute judge of the suitability of candidates for overseas mission. In 1967, she and Basil were able to enjoy an extended trip to four Latin American countries where Sam's worked. While at Clifton, Basil became ill, had major surgery, and died in May 1969, aged just 55. Having to leave the college, Stella moved back to the area she knew best and had one year in Chislehurst before three in Beckenham. During those years, she nursed severely disabled young women in a home run by the Bermondsey Medical Mission. Stella returned to Oxford in 1973, living in Blenheim Drive and going back to St. Ebbs. While in Blenheim Drive, she took in lodgers, many of whom became close friends. 
She also found time for more involvement in voluntary work, working with stroke victims, teaching English to Asian women, and helping at Oxfam. In 1988, she was only the second person to move into Diamond Court. She started to attend this church, which was always within walking distance for her, and quickly became involved in many of its, many of its activities, such as a mission group, fellowship group, lunch club, and prayer meetings. Age did not diminish Stella's zest for life or her interest in people. She always remembered something about everyone she had come in contact with, a name or a face, or where they lived or the name of their spouse. She used to bemoan the fact that she only remembered one thing and not more. Once, in Oxford City Centre, she recognised her former maths teacher from school. She went up to her and said, I owe you an apology. I imagine that the former teacher looked taken aback before Stella explained that she had not been a good math student's student and that she was sorry she had not tried harder. Stella was realistic about getting older, but seldom dwelt on it to others. Typical of her were notes left on cards and gifts this Christmas. To a friend of mine, she wrote, I must try to think of something better next year if I am still capable of thinking about anything. On a card to my brother, she put, You must wonder how many more years you will receive a card from me. Presumably not many. I shall be 97 at Christmas. If she was asked the secret of her long life, she would say firmly, It's good health, and that's nothing to do with me. But that hid the various health challenges she made nothing of. There was a lot that was distinctive about Stella. Her eyes, her walk the way she rubbed her head, the way she said, ah, when she got you on the phone, her natural networking gifts, her abiding curiosity about things and people, her stubborn determination, but above all, her love for the Lord and her desire to do what was right. She was not afraid to, to follow St. Paul's instruction to the Christians in Colossae to admonish one another in all wisdom. In a card to me, a friend wrote an apt summary of Stella. She was so wise and despite her age was always very up to date with what was going on. Her Christian faith and principles always shone through. Shone is such a good word to use about her and how aptly named she was. She was truly Stella in the twinkle in her eye and her humour. For many years we prayed for Stella that she would remain alert and fit to the end of her life and not suffer the mental frustration of diminishing faculties or loss of independence. God has answered these prayers and we are profoundly thankful. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. The second hymn that uh, she chose is a more modern uh, song, really. There is a Redeemer and explains the gospel clearly, the gospel on which Stella's life was based. Let's stand to sing, There is a Redeemer.
please be seated. David Farah and then Donald Hay are going to read from first the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and then Peter will speak to us. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. As for man... His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. St. Paul wrote, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. I want to begin what I have to say with some words which St. Paul used in in speaking to his countrymen about Israel's past history, when in a culmination of looking at various characters, he finishes with King David with the words, after he had served the will of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. All of us here will have our own memories of Stella and will miss her. Most of all, I imagine, will Chris and his family, to whom they looked as mother and grandmother, and I think were not disappointed. And we've heard again from Elizabeth of Stella, and perhaps I should explain, though I've hinted at already, that when Stella's husband was vicar of St. Ebbs here in Oxford, that when Stella's husband was there, I was one of his six curates. Not all at the same time, I say. Not all at the same time. It was a joy to say that only recently, as she has already said, all six of us met with our wives, except for Annette Farrer, who died sadly just before the occasion. We met here in this church to have a reunion and early celebration of her 97th birthday. I do not think, though someone may wave a hand to tell me I'm true, that out of the six of us, I think I'm the only person present here today because the others all live at distances mainly, and just cannot get here. Michael Farrer, in particular, is sad not to be here. He was Basil's first curate, and he and his wife, Annette, were great friends all their life with Basil and with Stella. He's not exactly a very well man himself these days, and the snow made it totally impossible that he should be here today. If he had, he would have been preaching here, and not me. And so, in a sense, I feel privileged in a sense, to be in his place. Michael did, and I say this quite unofficially, produce his own tribute to Stella, which he let me have a copy of. I've duplicated them, and if you should want to see one, I can gladly let you have one afterwards, though not realising the turnout today, there aren't enough for everybody to have one, but I and Michael's son David, who read the psalm to us, do have a few copies we could let you have. I have another connection with Stella, actually. She she and I come from the same hometown and come from the same home church. Though once again, like the curate situation, not at the same time, as she was somewhat older than I am. But uh, I have that link. I have also the link with Elizabeth, because I suspect that she was in Bromley at that time as well, because I nearly went to be curate with her father. But it all fell through, I'm afraid, through no fault of his or mine. So I missed that, uh, I missed that thing in my life. 
My earliest memories, of course, of Stella and Basil together here in Sedevs, and the wonderful way they complemented each other, totally united in their faith in Christ. They were extremely different characters. Stella was always there for him, supportive, loyal, and all would recognize this, always wonderfully down to earth. Michael in his tribute has said something, but he's, he's pinched off me because I was there when it happened, so I'm going to tell it all the same sort of thing. Once in the term, Basil held a meeting for any student who was thinking about ordination, and they came to a tea at the rectory while we had some sort of speaker. On this occasion, Stella, who was never over-fond of cooking, had been slaving all day at a great feast for the hungry students, and Basil came in and, ignoring the sort of situation, said, Now, my dear, I am to speak to the young men this afternoon on what they should be looking for in a wife. What would you suggest? First of all, put that down, Basil. It's not for you. And secondly, tell them, Basil, to marry a horse. Well, now... (laughs) She was, of course, wife to Basil, both in Haddington in in the country, here in Oxford, and, of course, as wife of the principal in Bristol of the Theological College. And the amazing thing is then that after Basil's early death, as a widow, she lived a single life for another 40 years. She held no position, not even, as it were, the position she held as wife to somebody. She held no position or anything like that. Yet I, many people I see here seem to be from St. Andrews around here. And yet, in a sense, she has no direct connection with you by, in any way by office or by relationship. And I think it shows the wonderfully unobtrusive ministry that she had, a ministry of friendship and a ministry, above all, of prayer for each and every person. And... I did hear Elizabeth say, and I'd like just to reinforce it, that, of course, Basil's early death was not her only sorrow. Her sister, her best friend, and her stillborn child. When, I think it is, and Michael puts this in his tribute, when David Watson, I think, came on a mission here in 1980, speaking to the students, he asked the local clergy if they knew anybody who could speak about the cost of being a Christian. And they said, the person you want is Stella Goff. And she interviewed him, I think, in the town hall on that point that night. When it was announced that I was to be a bishop, it was her letter that meant most to me. It went like this. I expect you'll get a lot of letters congratulating you, but I'm not happy to put it that way. I want to say that if you believe this is God's call for you, I'm glad and you can be assured I'll continue to pray for you with your new responsibilities. That's plain Stella. The lesson was that one she had found and practiced was like King David, constantly seeking to find the will of God and seeking to fulfill it in her service of others. What Paul is seeking to show when he's speaking to the Jews in the verses that follow my text is that great as David was, and one who indeed had served the will of God, he is not to be compared with Christ at all, because after Christ died, 
he rose from the dead. By his death and resurrection, Paul goes on, our sins could be forgiven and a way provided to God for now and for eternity. The very things in the Acts of the Apostles which are spelt out in the lesson from 1 Corinthians that we had read to us all this. And all this is offered to those who believe in him. A truth again that Stella discovered when she was 15 and sought to pass on for nearly another 80 years. Serving the will of God might sound a bit grim, but when Stella did it in the light of the hope of the good news of Christ, and it was the service of perfect freedom, may her experience be the experience of us all. May God bless each one of you in your life and service and journey and ministry. Amen. So let's turn to prayer for a few moments and uh, thank God for Stella's life. God of mercy, Lord of life, your word teaches us that you have made us in your image to reflect your truth and light. And so this afternoon, we give you thanks for our sister Stella, who did indeed reflect your truth and light. We thank you for the grace and mercy that she received from you, grace and mercy that she never claimed to merit, but in which she walked and in which she believed. We thank you for all that was good in her life, for her example, for her service, for her smile, for her constant desire to encourage men and women in gospel work, for her passion for world mission and her prayerful support of so many who have gone into the mission field. We thank you for her gift of friendship exercised uh, in these last few years amongst so many here in this church. We thank you for her particular friends. We thank you for the way in which she and Mary together witnessed so powerfully to us in this place. And so before you today, God of mercy and Lord of life, we treasure these memories. A moment of quiet for our own particular memories and thanks. Father, we thank you that your word promises eternal life 
to those who believe. And so this afternoon, we know that we do not need to pray for Stella, for she believed, and we know that your promise is true and that she has inherited eternal life. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for the truth that the Lord Jesus died in our place on the cross, taking the wrath that we deserved upon himself, and that he rose from the dead victorious to prove that he is the Son of God and that all who believe in him will indeed inherit eternal life. We thank you that these great truths determined every step that Stella took. We thank you that she walked in the fullness of your love, in the knowledge of sins forgiven, and in the certainty that death is conquered. And so we praise you this afternoon that your mighty power brings joy out of grief and life out of death. We thank you that though we are sad for we will see her no longer in this life, we do not grieve as those without hope. And so we pray for those who will miss Stella most, for Chris and his family, for Stella's grandchildren. We thank you for her friends. We think particularly of those in Diamond Court to whom she has been such a friend in recent days. To all who remain, we pray, Father, that you would give patient faith in times of darkness and strengthen us with the knowledge of your love. We know, Father, that you are tender towards your children and your mercy is over all your works. And so as we remember Stella today, we pray that you would heal the memories of any hurt or failure that there might have been. As we live out our lives, give us the wisdom and grace to use aright the time that is left to us here on earth to turn to Christ, to follow in his steps in the way that leads to, it, to everlasting life. And so let's join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The third hymn that Stella chose great hymn of victory and resurrection. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son.
Let us commend Stella to the mercy of God, our Maker and Redeemer. God, our Creator and Redeemer, by your power Christ conquered death and entered into glory. Confident of his victory, claiming his promises, we entrust Stella to your mercy in the name of Jesus our Lord, who died and is alive and reigns with you now and forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.